Boom. There we go. We're live, guys. Welcome, Cliff, Paul. Hey. Hey. Michael. Paul, welcome oh, back. It's great to be back. <laughs> you know, we, Josh is, uh, is still out on vacation and, uh, you know, he, he's missing out, man. I well, mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to fill in for him for a little bit here, and I hope he's enjoying his birthday, you know, time. <laughs> yeah, Cliff, it's his uh, it's his 50th birthday this actually this Friday. So, uh, just Josh thought it'd be a great idea if he took the month off. So he's out for July at an undis undisclosed location. I'm not sure what he's doing, but uh, yeah, I'm not saying. I mean, I just kind of kind of think back to when you know Bledsoe went down and Brady came in for a couple of games there, and I don't know. I'm not sure what happened after that. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, I am from Michigan. I mean, I'm just saying. And I was only 20 minutes away from me. So, I mean, a lot of things could happen. You never know. Well, well so look, I just want to start off by letting you know, I, I get lonely here. Josh, you know, he's on the road. We're not, I told him he, the first, first week he kept calling me. I'm like, man, leave me alone. Don't email. Don't call. You're on sabbatical. Turn off your phone. Go away. But I do get lonely. So I pulled, I've got this right here and I keep handy. Well, <laughs> cut with Josh, and so we have a little conversation. Hey, Josh, good morning. Good morning. There you go. Like, He's so there. I like it. I he like hangs it. out. This kind of unnerves my uh, my dogs and my my kids. But uh, anyway, hi everybody. I'm on vacation. 50th birthday. Hey. See ya. So there we go. <laughs> Bye, Josh. Bye. Bye, Josh. Josh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, that was a, a, a wonderful likeness of Josh. His, his beautiful face. So anyway, <laughs> so yeah. I need a bobblehead doll. You know, I kind of bounce around. Watch said. So I think we got we got we have resources to make those up. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. One piece minimums out there, right? That's what Indeed. we need. That's what we need. That's what we need. So uh so all right, guys. Well, listen, we've got uh an hour here, uh 50 uh 58 minutes, and we've got folks coming in, and I, I want to take advantage of this opportunity. We've got two heavy hitters with us today. Uh, and you guys, and I'm looking forward to picking your brains and just being able to uh, to share, you know, some some ideas and concepts with people. And I want to want to encourage uh, everybody who's on with us today to submit questions. Uh, I'll probably if I can, I'll turn off the chat. Put your uh, submit your questions not through the chat, but through the uh, the Q and A. It's just a little bit easier for us to manage those. So, uh, but get your questions out to these guys, and uh, let, let's see what we can learn today. So. Look, we, we, we posed this, this webinar for distributors helping distributors as, you know, the theme is how do you stay top of mind with your clients? And let's see what we can learn from a couple of industry veterans, pros who have sold many millions uh, of dollars of swag. So, you know, when's the last time somebody told you I just placed an order for that or I didn't know that you offered this product or service? I wish I had known that because you already bought something. You know, you have this happen, right? What, how do you stay in front of clients? You got a lot of, there, there's a lot of people, you got a lot going on, you're dealing with production, you're dealing with all this stuff. How do you stay in front of clients and kind of uh, do that in a way that's not uh, over, overwhelming to you? And that's one of the questions I want to get to today when we're talking with you guys. I, before I do intros, I will remind everyone so this is the Distributors Helping Distributor Show. I'm Michael Mahoney. Uh, I, my partner, Josh Fry, is out on sabbatical this month. I'm joined by our fantastic coach, Paul Zaffirana, who's one of the coaches in the Swag Coach small group coaching program. Uh, for those of you who are new to the program or this show and don't know us, you know, my experience really is in starting, scaling, and selling businesses. I've had a few successful startups and, and exits. I'm newer to the promotional products industry. Uh, Josh and Paul are industry veterans who've been in for many years and know the ins and outs and together we really enjoy putting on this show and, and the coaching program so um cliff is a uh, has been involved in the, the promotional products and sportswear industries for 33 years or more i'm not sure how data that is cliff but so uh, over 30 years he looks and, good for uh, 22 doesn't he <laughs> he does he does so and uh Cliff's got a, I, I got this bio Cliff uh, from you. This, this is a lot, you got a lot going on. Five terms as education chairperson for your regional trade association in Maryland. Uh, you do speaking, training, and consulting internationally. I saw on your website a testimonial from a group in New Zealand. Sounds like a boondoggle. And uh, you've 
been a proud recipient of quite a few awards, the PPAI Golden Pyramid Award for Creativity 21 times. 27. 27. Sorry, we've got to update that bio. I need to 20. update that bio, right. <laughs> but who's counting, right? Exactly. I am. Uh, I'm counting. I'm trying to catch it. <laughs> <laughs> PSDA Peak Award for Creativity. Lots of times, PPAI Ambassador Speaker of the Year for six plus consecutive years, one of the top industry speakers and trainers. Uh, and Castle Magazine has you as one of the top 50 most influential people in the promotional products industry. So that's uh, that's that's exciting. Excited to have you uh, to have you all with us today. So thank you. Uh, now, Cliff, where where are you calling in from? I am actually calling in from Walkersville, Maryland, a little farming town right outside of Frederick, Maryland, okay. about 60 miles north of D.C. OK, yeah. All right. And uh, well, and I appreciate I know you uh, you said pre-show that you're a little bit under the weather. Uh, that's why you got I'm that good. radio voice, but you're, you're good to go. So I appreciate you, you being on with us. So yeah, thanks. We'll look forward to this. So uh, why don't why don't we uh, to, to tee this up? I'd like to, uh, you know, visit, you know, sort of the, the, the premise of this show. And we we talked about it a little bit earlier in pre-show, but, you know, it comes down to differentiating yourself in, in, you know, in the market. And, you know, why do we do what we do? Right. Um, it's not always about getting more leads, but it's getting deeper within the existing clients that we have. Right. And so, and how do we, how do we set ourselves apart versus just putting a logo on something? You know, how do we actually provide some, some creative branding and marketing and ideas that again, set ourselves apart, build a defensible position for us. So, you know, we're not competing on price and allow us to be successful. Hopefully we'll be able to talk through that. So, I'd like to start off with maybe Cliff with something that's timely and topical. You were you just went to the PPA, excuse me, the ASI show in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your your experience there? How that was this year? Well, I will I will tell you. Somebody asked me that question afterwards. I was talking to Norm Cohn, and uh, he's I, I said I guess the best way to describe that show was that it was invigorating. Uh, it was really nice to see the people you could tell that the people were just dying to get back out and interact with people. The suppliers were great. I mean, even though the show was slightly smaller than it had been in the past, it was just that the vibe throughout the show was amazing. Uh, education was packed. I mean, I did four sessions there. Every one of them were just like standing room only. Jay Bussell did one, a couple of his were standing room only. And, uh, you know, it was just good. I mean, it's great education, great people, great energy. Uh, and it was just really good to be back, you know, whatever that means to be back into the, into the game. Sure. That, that, that may, yeah, that's exciting. I heard a lot of good things. Actually, I heard about the, uh, the talk that you did on, uh, what was it? Mining and power prospecting. Uh, no, that's, uh, no, that one is coming up. I'm doing that. Coming up. Yeah. I'm doing oh, okay. that one next week, but, uh, no, I did one on how to, um, enhance your brand and elevate your game uh, with creative self promo. That one was, uh, that one was crazy. Well, cause yeah. Is that the one you said uh, had, had 160 about people a, turn out? Yeah. About 160 people in there. Yeah. Yeah. For a room for 40. Okay. Well, why don't, can you talk, let's talk about that. And brand and branding and self promotion. Can you take us down that, that path and share some of the, the, the highlights and concepts there? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is the, the thing that Paul, Paul Zafferan and I have uh, gone back a long way and we've, we've done a lot of different marketing campaigns together. And some of them, some of them were just like sporadic. They're like, I remember sitting in his home and we were talking about, remember the piece we did with the, um, uh, the miracle, like the miracle grow box. That yeah. Did. Yeah. It was just like out of nowhere. I mean, I'm sitting there talking and he's like, well, what do you, when you, when you're talking about this creative marketing thing, that's going to be specifically to me, what should it be? What, what, and I, I literally, I looked over and on his counter, there was a miracle grow box. And I went, that's it. That's the thing we should be doing. We should replicate that at some level and put that together. And he had, a, he put, we put that together and it was an amazing concept. But to your point early on, I think a lot of times people, you know, they talk about 
self promo, you know, pens with your logo on it. The reality is, in my opinion, that that's not engaging. You know, 97% of the people, that's what they're doing. So imagine if you're a client, a customer that's in a position to buy and you have hundreds of people in some cases just banging on your door with those widgets. Uh, people, you know, they come in. This is that most people think, uh, you know, I'm going to give them this pen and I'm going to sit there and cross my fingers and pray that they're going to buy them by the tractor trailer load. The reality is you're one of thousands. And how do you become one, you know, one in a million, not one of a million, right? I mean, and so my concept years ago, I used to, I used to hate being referred to, let me digress. When we start out in the industry, sometimes what happens is if you sell the first item that you sell someone is a pen, <laughs> you're all of a sudden the pen guy. Oh, Cliff, he's our pen guy. Well, well, well I do coffee mugs and t-shirts and all that too. Well, I didn't know you did that. You're, you're our pen guy. We have a pen. We have a coffee mug guy. Well, that used to irritate the devil out of me. I wanted to, I wanted to be more than that to our customers. So my whole premise was, how do I go about elevating my game? It has to start with me. I have to do something different. If I want to be perceived differently, I have to do something different. And it can't be just another widget, another product with my logo on it. It has to be done with something that has engagement, has impact. Um, people remember it. Uh, and so that's the whole idea behind the kind of things that I used to develop. Well, so, still do. okay, along those lines, and, and Paul, I'd, I'd like to get your, your input on this as, as well as Cliff. So what is it you're trying to accomplish when you're getting in front of these clients? Obviously, if you give them a pen, it's pretty clear. I want you to buy more pens. I can put your logo. It's very simple. But I saw examples. I read some of the articles you wrote, you know, an example of, you know, you have a, you know, you set, you had a campaign where you set. Uh, 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 I guess a custom pizza box and an engraved pizza cutter, you know, yeah, that was, actual that was pizza. Cliff's. That was Cliff's, that was right? This was Cliff's. Yeah, I mean, yeah I'm thing. sorry. Yeah, this yeah. is Cliff's. But, you know, so you send this out, right? So you get, or, you know, this, the Swiss Army knife, you know, a concept in a box. You had this concept built around the Swiss Army knife. That's interesting. But as a business owner, maybe head of marketing or whoever you're trying to target there. So I received this. What message am I supposed to take away from this? How does this get my attention and compel me to want so, to engage you, right? So if you're thinking about that stuff along that line, you have contact information. The pen's a carrier. It's the contact information. It's the mm -hmm. message and the feeling you're trying to build inside your recipient, right? I, anybody can, I can tell you what I do. I, I do pens. I do mm -hmm. mugs. I do t-shirts. I know stuff. But mm -hmm. if I'm in there in our industry, my job is to show you how to use this medium as a carrier to get your message across, to invoke a feeling, to invoke a reaction, to invoke a, uh, a call to action, right? Okay. What am I trying to get you to do? It's not just about that item. The item is just the carrier for it. Any way that the web, email, print, any of that stuff, they're all different tools in the toolbox, but it's a medium out there that you use to convey that message. Um, you know, that's what you're trying to use it for. Cliff, yeah. I'll tell you, Michael, but for me, and I think it was kind of echoing what Paul said, uh, for me, it's about creating the, an, the engagement with the client. Nowadays, people are so bombarded with email, phone calls, messages, you know, solicitations. Mm -hmm. How do I rise above that stack of all of that? minutia that's just out there so that when somebody gets my whatever i'm sending in they go that's different that's unique so so what size company are you are you targeting with a campaign like that right so if i'm going after i don't know the local franchisor has you know a handful of pest control companies or you know a, a small group of restaurants or you know a large law firm what, how many of those are looking or what level do I need to get to where they're looking for, Hey, this guy is super creative. This is I, what I'm looking for versus, man, you know, I need some, I need really good stuff with logo and a, and a few simple concepts. I do, I, that. Think, yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll do this stuff. See, for me, it's about having that initial conversation. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get in front of people now. 
So if I can get in front, if I can have the initial conversation, then at that point, I can discern whether the person is looking, right, Paul, looking for the creative yeah. or they're looking for the product. I have no problem selling product, but I'm not leading with that. No. I'm not leading with people okay. thinking I'm just the balloon guy or the t-shirt man. Uh, right. It's They need to see you, your audience. They need to see the audience in a with a different set of glasses. Because they're getting hit up. I mean, I know when I was a former buyer on this stuff, I used to get eight, 10 calls a day and, and different things sent over to me. And I went usually, okay, great. And, you know, it, that's what really sparked me to get away from doing like the envelope stuff and the, the little postcards that you get because it gets buried in a pile on your desk. It gets stacked up, it goes in the inbox, it slides over, falls off your desk or whatever. And the stuff that stuck out to me as a buyer was a stuff that wasn't, you know, the, the flat mail. It was the lumpy mail. It was the different ways or the fact that somebody took the time to understand what I, what I do, what we do as a company. Um, mm -hmm. You know, from, from a buyer standpoint, that's how I viewed it. But as a, on the sales side of it, I don't make up these monster campaigns for it. I go in and target an industry and you go in and you go, I need to make up. 10, 25, maybe 50 pieces of something. You don't have to get like super crazy with having to do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and have all that stuff sitting on your shelf because if right. it's sitting on your shelf, guess what it's not doing? It's not getting in front of somebody to, to get them to react to it. <clears throat> you know? Um, so, dude, so you mentioned industry. Uh, Cliff, when you put together these campaigns, if, are, are you typically thinking of going after a specific industry and reaching out to one or you have you know a general focus well it's a concept that goes goes across industries in some cases uh, you can do something that will be that will I wouldn't I'm gonna say be like cross industry but I find that the more specific you can get with the industry the vertical market as I like to refer to them mm -hmm. the better off you are uh, some right. things have, will carry over, but, you know, I mean, I did a piece years ago, Paul did, Paul used it, and it was a, a program I called The Jury Is Out, and it's just a little mini briefcase that I created with a gavel in it, and, and the only thing that branded it was the business card, but it basically told a story that when you open the box, it said, uh, give us 15 minutes to present our case, and then you be the judge. And that's the whole premise behind it. And I wanted somebody to look at that and go, well, that's different unique and you know the reality is if you we and it was specifically targeted to go after law firms right now a lot of people don't think law firms spend money but i'm telling you the oh, one guy yeah you, know, you remember art silverman paul yeah, he, yeah. he he called me up and he said cliff i just got a call from a major law firm down in boca raton they have a thousand attorneys they want to do this piece and said he has a five hundred thousand dollar budget i went Let's get him on the line. Let's see what we can right. talk about. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, if, I want people, your audience to remember too, the reality is it's ink on paper. So, you know, you mm -hmm. see an idea, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying you plagiarize ideas for sure, but if you, I see things all the time that I think, man, that's brilliant. And I can change it a little bit enough. And uh, I can, I can, I can probably come up with something that's pretty clever. What's the R and D one, Cliff? That you always say is uh, not research and development. No, rip off and duplicate. Rip off and duplicate. You tweak it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, some of that stuff's already out there, and if you can take and tweak it and 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 make it your own, I mean, that's a, there's a genuine um, ability to do that, so that folks, you know, they they're familiar with it to a certain extent, but it's not a complete rip off of what's been done out there. You know, it allows you to, to bring your own creative into it. There's a so, question on here, yeah, uh, yeah. Michael, that I, I don't know if you saw it or not. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so creativity, expand on that. How does one become very creative to each individual client? Thanks, Regina. Yeah, good question. Uh, I, would, I would say that everybody has creativity, but it's le like learning how to ride a bike. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Uh, if your mind is focused around, like if somebody called me up and said, hey, Cliff, uh, I need an idea for a, a, a product that I can use as a giveaway at a trade show. I'm not the guy to call. 
Right. I don't think like that. Mm-hmm. And so I used to, but I found that if I'm always thinking creatively, if I'm thinking about how do I drive traffic to the trade show, which is more important than having a giveaway at the trade show, that for me is that's how I can help my customers. So it's, it's the practice. So I journalize everything. Paul knows I have, I have a, I, I designed this. Uh, I got one right here. Okay. I designed this creative journal and uh, I archive everything in that. My, I mean, every idea that I come up with, I archive in my journals. I have five of those completely full. Yeah. And, uh, this is full of like drawings and I do the same thing. Yeah. And it's, and I will nice. go to, I'll go to Pinterest and I'll look up just creative ideas and just creative packaging ideas or unique ways to package a t-shirt and things like, and the things that you come up with there are just outstanding. So I might print something out, cut it out and put it in there. And I may put it, be able to put a different twist on it down the road, but that serves as my, my uh, creative bank, if you will. So I'm going yeah, I, through there. Some, I'm sorry. Yeah, I do the same thing, Cliff, as, as a Pinterest board. It's a great way for a digital archive of keeping those ideas along with the journal so that somebody goes, where's your head at? You go, oh, wait, I got inspiration over here. You know, like, like artists go out and look and they get inspired by sitting on the end of a dock or, you know, looking up at the stars or the clouds. I mean, the internet's a big place. You can get a lot of inspiration out there. Magazine articles, you know, like magazine art, not magazine articles, but magazine ads and uh, headlines in magazine ads. Uh, some of some of the best ideas that I've come up with are things like that, uh, that's where you can just put a twist on it and relate it back to something and relate it to something that will engage the customer. It's and it but it takes to your the Regina's question. It takes practice. I mean, you have to constantly be doing, I mean, you can't plop yourself on a bike, ride it for five minutes, fall off 15 times and figure that you're going to be able to ride it perfectly when you get back on it an hour, two hours a week later, you right. have to practice. So these campaigns you're describing, are you, are these more for uh, new clients, you're prospecting for new clients or, you know, where you're, are these existing clients or, or is there a difference between the type of campaign that you would direct? Well, let's back that up a little bit, Michael. I think that the the earlier part of the conversation is, which I think, I don't think a lot of people do, is having a plan and writing it down. If you don't have a plan on what you're going to do, then the rest of it doesn't fall into place. So you have to start from square one, have that plan, understand who you're going to go after to target. Mm -hmm. And it's great to have it up in your head, Mm -hmm. but until you write it down and commit to that, I, I don't think you can, can go beyond that to even say, how do you tie creativity into it? How do you tie that in to know what you're going to look up? Because you want to understand who you're trying to go after. If it's HR directors or marketing directors or CEOs or CFOs, what result are you trying to get? You have an understanding of that. You can now build a plan to get there. Can, can you guys share a couple of plans or you know examples that you uh, have been through that might be uh, appropriate for the audience right something that, that they could you know take at and, and spin off their own concepts right their I'll own, give you one of my own yeah that sure. was a learning on it I had a client come to me and said I'm doing a trade show I have a fifty thousand dollar budget I need fifty thousand one dollar items and I said that's great here's the guy down the street if you want to call him up And he goes, what, you don't want my business? I said, not like that. I said, because you're going to be held to your CFO about how the program went. What's the return on the investment? And he goes, okay, well, how are you going to do that? I said, well, let's let's re-evaluate your budget and what you're trying to do. Let's take that same $50,000. Let's reallocate the budget in there. He goes, all right, I'm listening. I said, it's a three-day trade show you guys are going to. Yep. How many people are going to be at the booth? Eight. Okay. A typical trade show, eight hour days, eight people at the booth, three days, simple math. I said, can you handle 50,000 people coming to your booth? No. Okay. So right there, I had him, I had him on the wing. So it was, it was asking some of those questions for it and getting him to think outside of what, you know, what the actual reality of the program was going to be. So we came back with that and said, all right, what if we were able to, to procure last year's list with all the titles of people that were on there? 
He's like, yeah. I said, well, you know, we could, we could do that very inexpensively. And I said, let's target a fraction of those people that are there. Let's say it's 2,500 people at the show. He goes, yeah. He goes, well, we need to do, you know, that's, you know, X amount per, that's 2,500 people at $20 a piece. I'm like, no, not necessarily. Let's do it so that we do a small mailing to them of something dimensional, but you want to get those folks to be the hand raisers, the, the targeted users on it. I said, what would be a fair number to have as a representation of when you guys come back at the booth? He goes, well, if we got a response on 2,500 at 10%, that'd be fantastic. An average direct mail piece gets what? One to 3% response rate on it on a good day. Mm -hmm. He goes, if we got 10%, you know, let's, he goes, I'd be ecstatic if we got 10%. 2,500, that's 250 people. They're targeted. They know exactly who they're doing. And he's now spent his money directed at exactly who they are. So we did that and we used some stuff. We had a little bit there for the, what I call the tire kickers that are going through and they scoop up and put all that stuff in their bag. Cause they just want to walk by. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. I stole that from you, Cliff, right? The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the um, adult, the adult trick or treaters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, we came up with a campaign that was directed out there. If they brought this piece into the show, showed to redeem it, they got this special gift and it was a higher end gift on it. And it wasn't a $20 one. We used the rest of the budget to do a nicer piece because we asked them what a, a lead for them would generate. You know, if, if you got one person to sign up, what's their annual spend that they would come back to you with? And we did the math on that. Well, at the end of the day, we figured all that out. We did the 2,500 piece mailer, got the response on it and at the end of the day, they came back and said, hey, um, I said, I want you to track how many people came in that were unique. And I also want you to track for the next six months, those unique people that came to the show. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. So of the 2,500 that they mailed out to, they had 450 people redeem that got the piece. That's nice. I mean, that's, that's a mm -hmm. 20, you know, 18, 20% mm -hmm. response rate. Wow. Fantastic, right? Wow. Yeah. Here's the cool part. We did the same thing in two different locations, once in Vegas and once in Orlando. Mm -hmm. They came back six months later when they tracked their sales based off of this. One was 42 and the other one was $44 million in sales. That they could tie back to their marketing wow. spend of $50,000 plus whatever their trade show booth was. They could respond to their CFO with a definite, this is what we did. This is the reaction we had off of it. That'll get you a raise at the end of the year. That's a good ROI. Yeah, my, my job is to make them look good, right? We right. asking a lot of those questions and, and saying, hey, what are you thinking about this? Why, what about this over here? And really helping them think differently about what the their end goal is and what they're trying to do with it versus just, you know, I need $50,001 items. And if they had bought those 50,000 pens, they'd probably still have 45,000 of them sitting right. on the shelf somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So a lot of questions. I mean, you just got to ask a lot of questions of people to see what they're trying to do. Speaking of questions, yeah, uh, encourage uh, the audience. Uh, come into the, the, the Q&A here and, and share some questions. I know you guys have, have them. What would you like for Cliff and, and Paul to share with us uh, today? So you got a couple of uh, experienced veterans here. Uh, put them to the test. Make these guys work. So, uh, give us some questions. So, um, yeah, Cliff, uh, how about yourself? Are there any any campaigns that you you know would would think? Oh, I, I'm actually I'll back up with with Paul's you know concept of starting with a plan. How do you? What's step one for a small distributor? They come into this. You're trying to figure out. Okay, I hear these guys. I need a plan, right? I need, and then then I'll put together a campaign. How how do they get started? With a, with a plan to put together, you know, a, a touch campaign. Um, you mean for the uh, self-promotion yeah. for themselves? Sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I think that it's, uh, it all starts with analyzing your entire client base uh, from the, from the beginning. Um, there's a lot of people that I have talked to and work with that uh, go about this very haphazardly. Um, they just, uh, just, you know, they uh, let me start here or throw a dart. 
I just think that it's important for you. If you're already in business, a lot of times people will say to me, you know, so, you know, where do I go? Where do I start? And I said, let's go look at your, uh, your client base to begin with. So we, I'm a big fan of breaking the clients down by vertical market and then classifying the clients A through F. Uh, and there's a whole seminar on that you could do, but um, understanding where you, which vertical markets that you work in have the best opportunity for you to make money and to profit, the, get the maximum profit. So let's say that you go in there and say, okay, banking and finance uh, seems to be my banking and finance and agriculture, the two of my top vertical markets where I have a lot of sales and great opportunity. Okay. <coughs> Well, what to said early on, and that is, how do we go a little deeper within our existing customers? Number one, uh, then I would look at, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can look at it. I'm working on a project right now with, for a client on uh, resuscitating old clients. We look through their client base. They've got all these people they haven't talked to in six months. Were they good at some point? Yeah. Were there any of them A or B listed in your, in your criteria? Yeah. We need to go after those people first before you're after, you know, prospecting for new business, because that's the most difficult, most expensive business to go after is brand new business. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, that for me, that's the whole concept on the plan. And once I've figured out where my strong vertical markets are, then I'm going to potentially build something around the marketing around that. Let's say it's banking and finance. And then I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to ask the question, what are the top, cha- what are the top challenges facing the banking industry today? Because I look at it this way, every place that there's a challenge that serves as an opportunity for me. And so if I can identify what, um, I'll give you an example. I did one years ago and uh, sorry for jumping canoes like this. That's good. But, but uh I realized that one of the things and bank, I did a lot in the banking space. And uh, one of the, one of the things that a lot of people were complaining about is that bankers treat you don't, they don't treat you the same. It's almost like there's all these merger and acquisitions going on. And now all of a sudden you just become a number. So I did this box that basically on the outside, it was like just copy. And it said in this day and age of merger and acquisition, do you get to the point where you feel like your bank treats you like, and when you open it up, there was a bag of shelled peanuts in there. And it was like, do you, do you think that you're just like peanuts to your, your, your banker treats you like peanuts. And then in the top part of the box, it explained the values of what this bank did for that. They were more of a um, personal touch bank. They, they knew people by name and things like that. So, for people that are saying, yeah, that when they open that up and go, that's exactly how I used to feel. My current bank treats me just like that. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, you know, just give us an opportunity to have a conversation. Again, these are conversation starters. And for anybody that sits there and says, well, the marketing campaign needs to sell for you. No, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. I did a marketing campaign for a big distributor down in Nashville, uh, 10 salespeople, each person got 10 pieces. I said to the one, I said to them all afterwards, I said, so how did it work? Uh, one gal says to me, she goes, well, I got nine appointments, but no one bought anything. Okay. The marketing piece worked. Right. Maybe you should go back to sales 101 and see if you can uh, figure that out. Because my job, the marketing piece, its job is to open the door of opportunity. That's it. And if, it, if you're, like I said, if you're going after this with the concept and the idea that that is going to be the thing that makes the sale, you're going about it wrong. Yeah. Right. You're just opening the door. Open the door. It's what you do on the door. Once you get in there, it's up to you. Exactly. You know, there's no magic bullet to any of this stuff. If that job was to get you the appointment, that's exactly what it was meant to do. It got you in there. Right. And above all the clutter, I want, you know, look, everybody on this call is experiencing this now especially now, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy with them. I'm doing business with, if you're lucky to get through to them, but how do you, how do you get past the gatekeeper? How do you put something, if I'm doing something that's dimensional in nature, you know, that, that is going, that's going to sit and guess what the secretary or the person at the front desk, 
doesn't typically open that type of mail. If it comes in a box or something like that, right. they don't open that. Envelopes, letters, things like that. Mm. Yeah, they uh, catalogs. You know, I find that most of the time, the recipient opens that box. And to Paul's point earlier, the way technology is working today, you couldn't you couldn't do the things that we do today five years ago. I mean, right yeah. now mm -hmm. I could design a box. Uh, and I could, I could do a custom box and I could do one piece, yep. one piece. Now it might cost me $40, but people are going, why would you spend $40? It depends if I'm going after Jeff Bezos and I want to make sure that I'm, you know, if I want to do something where it opens it up and says, you know, the song by Elton John rocket man plays, you know, I, maybe I can do a light sensitive sound chip in there. If I want to get his attention, I'm going to spend $40, $60, $150. I don't care. But you're if that's the guy I'm going cent pen or the 99 cent mug, you've got to, okay. you've got to show him what, what you're made of. Why, why does he want to do business with you? No question. No question. And I could cite example after example after example. Um, you know, Jared Kushner, for instance, has a big uh, construction firm up in New York. One of the people that I worked with, I designed this thing with a blueprint and all that. His, comp his company, his marketing director, they were sent, the his marketing director said, I've never seen anything like this. Let's schedule a call. Who in the world, most people could get a call, could get an appointment with the marketing director from a, a billion dollar construction company. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't do it with a, like I said, a, just a coffee mug or a, a balloon, a t-shirt or something like that. It's gotta be something that resonates with the audience. We got a, we got a question that just came in from William Pizzullo. Yeah. I hope, I, hope I didn't um, butcher your name. It says, how do you, how do Paul and Cliff feel about the usage of social media for gaining new clients and staying in their minds of existing customers? I, I have a definite opinion about that, but I want to hear Cliff's first. Oh, why? So you can chastise me. <laughs> <laughs> we can have a conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that um, I look at social media as, uh, I, I guess if I understand the question is it, about using social media as a selling tool. On if I, is that the way you all took that question? That's the way I took it. Is, yeah. yeah, the usage of social media for gaining new clients and staying in the minds of his existing clients. So, okay, know, well that's different. You know, if you're, if, I, I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think you just have to be very careful not to be too heavy on the sales side. I look at social media as like, imagine you go to a a, a, a party and you're standing there and you're having an engaging conversation with someone. That's fine. But if all of a sudden I start going, oh, by the way, oh, you're in banking. Oh, I, you know, I sell promotional products and I, you know, that's the wrong. I think that's the wrong approach. I think that the approach should be getting to know someone using that as the conduit. If you know, for instance, um, uh, let's say I go back to that banking and finance. You have people there that, you know, you may find a interesting article or something like that, that you can push out on social media. That's great. Being that conduit of information is great. I don't, I'm not a big believer. And there's a lot of people that disagree with me about using social as a selling tool, but I, at, at, at some level that is a selling tool. If you're pushing out info. I, I have yet to talk to anyone who is successfully generating any meaningful leads I, through, 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 let's say paid social media in particular. Right. Yeah. I don't know that it's a, a good conduit for, you know, to, to get, you know, for B2B sales, uh, trying to get to in front of, you know, B2C is another business. story. B2C right. is another story. We're doing, I mean, I, I, I think social media is a waste. My personal feeling on it is we sell in a B2B world. We don't sell in a B2C world. And, you know, the big brands, the Cokes, the Pepsis, the, you know, insert national brand out here, they sell B2C. Our job is to help them leverage their social accounts on a B2B level. We're not a B2B, we're not a B2C entity. Most, most of the distributors on this call are not. I, I don't think, Right. I think folks try to push it. They're like, oh, look how great we are, you know, buy from us because we're social or whatever. I think it's more informative than anything else. But as a, a mainstay on it, it's a tool like, you know, using the newspaper or magazine ad, it's a tool 
but is it where you're going to get most of your B2B clients at it? Um, I, I'm not a fan of social for that. I have it because people like, you got to have a social account. I do it, but the majority of my stuff comes in not from the social accounts, not at all. It's from that direct one-to-one stuff on it that uh, I get a majority of. Um, but, but, in, but in all fairness, but in all fairness, you use your social media channels because I've seen you do it. You know, you've won numerous pyramid awards as well. Yeah. And you will post those on show, social. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And that subliminally, if people see that, just like some of the folks that are on this call, they go, wow, that's pretty interesting. Well, I wonder, yeah. I wonder how he does that. Um, you're indirectly selling, but not selling. But right. it's, so it's there, but we also follow it up usually with some form of direct mail piece that celebrates the fact that we've won it saying, hey, look, at this is what we did. We're celebrating it. We wanted to share it with you. So it, it's, it works in conjunction with the promotional things or the, the creative kit that we put together from a targeted audience as a, an announcement piece. But that's really about it. It's more of a, I don't know, an archive or a history of, of things that are going on. So that's, that's how I see it. I mean, I, I agree with you, Cliff, that it's, you know, there's a, there's a time and place for it, but as a, what you lean on for everyday stuff like that, I'd, I'd probably say, you know. So you talked about uh, a couple of things. You guys mentioned, you know, the, obviously the cheapest sale is one to an existing client, right? And so one of the challenges that, that a lot of distributors that I, I'm talking with have is that even if they, you know, when they have a really good client, often they're, they've got a big risk and that they're focused on you know one person there, right? Uh, one person that campaign or one person in that account, and so being able to spread horizontally not only could get you, you know, more sales at a you know lower cost, right? But also protect uh, protect your uh, you know your base there, right? So you're less likely to lose that client when you lose your one one champion there. Can, can you guys speak to that, Cliff? Cliff, can you talk a little bit about that moving horizontally? Through a client, how if you're in a, if you're in an organization, how do you start to penetrate an organization horizontally? Well, it's interesting. Sometimes uh, folks have said, you know, if I if I do a good job with somebody, they'll say, "Oh, I can't wait to see what this looks like. I'm going to introduce you to everybody in the building." I'd say, you know what? I'd prefer you to wait. And they go, "What? I prefer you to wait because I want to let me deliver this first. Let's see that it runs smooth because the reality is." Uh, you're putting your name on the line when you're you're going to be doing something like that. So I want you to feel confident after everything we go through the process that it worked perfectly for you. Um, I think there's a couple of other things that you can do. Certainly you can ask, you know, ask for referrals. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and there's other services out there that you can use like uh, Zoom Info is a really good tool. It's not cheap. It's very, in fact, it's very expensive. expensive very expensive, but, you know, Zoom info um, actually will, you'll be able to drill down and find out how many other buyers are in that organization. I know an organization that I worked for before, uh, there was a gentleman that was dealing with one buyer, uh, two buyers at a hospital, and they did a deep dive in Zoom, and the guy has 67 people that buy from him now in one, and to your point, Michael, you know, if one person leaves, the likelihood is you'd have to be, you'd have to do something really stupid probably to lose that account as long as you're servicing it. So um, those would be just a couple of things that I would say. Yeah, I mean, to, to, to piggyback off of what Cliff said is a simple ask to go, I mean, I'm going to call it LVC, Life Before Cliff. Um, before I met Cliff a number of years ago, uh, David Blaze is another guy in the industry, right? One of his uh, sessions that, that started when I started out in this talked how he sends out a thank you card on every order that he does. And I do the exact same thing. And we, since I learned about a technique to send out a thank you card in there, and I think every order I do, I don't care how big it is, gets a thank you card that goes out to them. And the thank you cards evolved over the years. But, and I ask him right in there, are we, were you, one, were you happy with the project? And two, if you were, would you mind at sending a referral over to somebody else in your organization that you feel would benefit from working with us? 
you know, and it, it started out with that. And this is going to kind of lead into uh, Mark's question on here. How do you invest in your own campaigns? It's you start out a little bit at a time. You, we added in every year, a new piece into the mix. It wasn't like all of a sudden you've got all these campaigns pulled together and you go and do a, 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 a monster mailing or monster campaign on it. We added it a little bit at a time. Why? Cause that's the only budget that we had. You know, it was adding in the thank you piece and that turned into the prospecting piece because that started evolving. And once you got that created, it, it just a little bit at a time just started building your arsenal up. And, you know, over a couple of years, now you've got, you know, all these new pieces at your disposal to help you to, uh, to grow it. You know, that's, I would, that's I would, yeah, I'd piggyback on to that and say that uh, I heard a guy um, at National Speakers Association once uh, has a, had his acronym called WISLITZY. And it was, if you want something, leverage the community. And I don't think that we do enough of that in this industry. I mean, suppliers are so willing to bend over backwards. If you have a plan in place that you can actually share, share with them. Um, I can tell you that I've done things before that the minimums have been 250 in the catalog. They've turned around and said, yeah, we'll do 25 for you. We'll do that. But they, it's just not some arbitrary thing you're throwing out there. You know, you have a strategy, you have a plan. This is what you do. And, and I'm not saying that all of them do that, but uh, mm -hmm. the, most of them are willing to bend over backwards to help. And yeah, it's having a conversation with your supplier partners out there. And the more you rely on each other, the better they want to grow their business as much as you do. So if you're starting to do that, have that rapport with them, it's it's building a network and building those relationships up to get to what Cliff said. You know, you go from 250 to 25. They're like, yeah, we're seeing the results on it. So yeah, we we want to help you do that. So all right, the question we've got questions coming in now here, uh, quite a few. So I want to I want to get to some of these. Andy Nadell says, assuming digging deeper with existing clients has been done, and you want to hunt for new clients. Can you share your methodology once you've identified the vertical and position of an ideal target? So yeah, let's say you've got, you've identified, I would add an industry. So you've got, well, he says vertical, right? So you've identified an industry and in a position or positions you're trying to, to, to target. They're new, new prospects. Any suggestions or strategies that you guys have used for, for trying to get in front of them? <laughs> I uh, These marketing campaigns. <laughs> Yeah, these, these marketing campaigns have been, I mean, for me, yeah, I'm, I'm telling Mr. Nadell, I mean, I'm telling you that I've had, in some cases, 90 to 100% engagement with some of these pieces that I put together. Really? Yeah, okay. I mean, I said, I would say on average, it's like 60%. Wow. But you know, you send out 100 and you get 60 appointments. There's nothing. Now, I don't close them all. But right. you know what, it, it, it works. Yeah, and I think one of the, like okay. you mentioned earlier, Cliff, Google's a big friend of ours, you know, finding out what the top 10 challenges are that are facing that vertical and use that as a targeted piece when you're talking to these folks of, hey, I understand, you know, as in your, in your literature you're sending out in the call to action, how you can help solve that problem for them. Well, let's see, get them. So let's take this to the next logical step. So you, you send out, the, you do a campaign, you've got a targeted vertical and a position and, you know, Cliff, they, they, they engage, you get a 60% engagement. So you, you start getting people, well, they, they're willing to connect. What's your, what's your call? What's the next step? Are they, are you having a conversation with them these days? Are you trying to get them on Zoom? You're you trying to be in person. And, and if so, then what, how do you structure that conversation, that initial conversation with them? Well, first of all, I'm going to go in armed. I'm going to go in armed. I'm going to know about the industry. So going back to what I said before, okay. if I have a background and an understanding, I'll give you an example. I had a background and understanding in hospitality. That was a big vertical for me. And so I could speak the language to a food and beverage director or a VP of marketing or something like that, because I lived in that space for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't lived in that space, I would encourage you to have a lot of information readily available understand that market, understand what, like Paul said, what are the challenges that these folks are facing? And, the, and I just want to have a conversation. You know, I don't, I'm not interested 
I mean, eventually I'm interested obviously in making a sale and, uh, but I want to make a connection first. I want to earn that person's trust first. And that's an easy way to earn that trust when you can say, yeah, I, I work in this uh, vertical space uh, on a regular basis. I have like 30 accounts in this space. Uh, I understand the market. But just having that conversation and building that trust first. I think too many times people go in with the idea that they're going to, they're just going in for the kill. And uh, trust me when I tell you, end users, uh, they see that. They understand it. They feel it. And uh, so anyway, it just, um, that, that would be my take. I would go in fully armed before, um, before I even made a call. Right. Yeah. What, okay. what questions? So I think the questions are the key. So when you go in fully armed, and part of that is being able to ask the questions. So you're not going in for the kill. You're trying to discover what types of questions do you guys ask on an initial call like that to try to do to, to, to perform discovery? What are you trying? I mean, one of the big ones, at least, what are you trying to accomplish by doing this? I mean, are you, what's are the you end game on it? What, what's your end result you're looking to do on it? Are you talking about a distributor thinking this way, or I think a distributor, um, you, you've got to, you, you, you know, you sent the briefcase out, the jury's out, they open it. Hey, this is pretty clever. It's pretty cool. It's great. Cliff, let's talk. Yeah. I'm the, you know, the director of marketing at this, this law firm. Uh, yeah. You got my attention. What would you like to know? Well, I mean, my, my point would be, uh, you know, if somebody, if, if that was the role play, somebody called me, I got your piece. I thought it was great. Um, I would say, that's, that's fantastic. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, my company does is we are very versed in your vertical market. Let's say it's uh, mm -hmm. the legal market. Um, sure. we, we understand that you have the A, B, C, D challenges. Uh, we work with several companies like yours, and we just wanted the opportunity to have a conversation with you, uh, just to say hello, get to know you, um, and just see if there was some synergy between our two companies. And do you think possibly there could be some synergies here? And then that might lead to, well, what are some of the other things that your company does? Now I have a whole litany of things that I can share with them. Company mm -hmm. stores, we do direct importing, we do you know, all, the, all the different things that we have the capacity to do for that customer. Right, you can get into the jargon of the, the uh, retention programs and recognition programs and safety programs. A lot of the stuff that is out there from an industry standpoint that we're able to do, you know, this pen may be part of a safety program, you know, but they don't see it as a, as a program. They go, we just want to do it to reward our employees. Well, you know, that's a recognition program, you know, if you will. Um, going into that, you can always dive deeper into what they're trying to do. But if you can hit some of those, what I call 30,000 foot views or, or uh, understanding of it, you may trigger or spark a conversation with them in, in during that conversation of, oh yeah, I haven't thought about that. Or yeah, that, that rings a bell with me. Um, you know, from, from that standpoint, it's, you're not going in for the sale it, that, right. It's, it's like going in for the first kiss on a date. You, you know, you got to get to know somebody a minute before you go, Hey, you know, before you, Honestly, you get that, that I, level, you know? I found that almost any B2B sale, the, one of the first questions I ask is tell me about your job responsibilities. You know, how- you know, what, you know what's how, interesting yeah. about that, Michael? My father, God rest his soul, he, he, was, um, he was a buyer for McGraw-Hill. And uh, he would tell, I mean, that's an interesting approach, but he, he told me that if somebody comes in and asks him that, he would send them to the, kick him out. And I go, why is that? He goes- it's their job to figure out what's going on with me before they come in to see me, or at least have, going back to what mm -hmm. I said, mm -hmm. at least have some understanding of what's going on in my business. Right. And well, what's my, my, my role, you know, or, and maybe it's a leading question. Like, you know, sure. my experience with uh, the banking and finance is that individuals that are in your role in your position do A, B, C, D, and E. Um, sure. Is that the way? Is that the way it works with you? Now that I, type of question would be great. That now, I, I I agree completely. I wouldn't want to get kicked out. Your dad's right. That was uh, that's exactly that's exactly a great approach. It's like to demonstrate the understanding 
but still ask that question. Tell me, you know, unique to you in this situation at this company, you know, and then, you know, and what types of things have you tried, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? What are your objectives, you know, th this year? What have you tried in the past that's worked? What hasn't worked? You know, can I share with you what some other clients are doing in, in this industry? But we, we mentioned what? industries. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and it's interesting that in that same vertical, the conversation that you would have with a vice president mm -hmm. of marketing or an HR director or a C-level person, those conversations are all going to be different. The questions mm -hmm. are going to be different. And right. uh, so it, it, that's why I, I believe that being a generalist in this business nowadays, uh, those are the people that make the 25 to 35% profit margin. Um, I'm, I'm all about profit. Paul will tell you that. I know he is as well. I'm right. all about profit. And well, what, you mentioned industries multiple times. We agree completely. One of the things we talk about in, our, in the Swag Coach, you know, the Small Group Coaching Program, incessantly, we're talking about industry niches. But I don't know what the percentage is of, of distributors who actually truly focus on a niche. It's really small. Re I mean, small. less than 5%, less than 3 It's small. Very few truly focus on a niche. Why do you think that is? Um, I would say, well, I don't know <laughs> if it's fear. I just think it's a, it's a, what I think it's like, you know, Pete, look, I used to have the same mentality. You know, mm -hmm. if you could fog a mirror and write a check, I'll take the order. You know, right. but the reality, right. the reality here, this is stop for a minute and think, you know, what am I worth an hour? And I guarantee you, when you start thinking about it in that way, what am I worth an hour? Am I getting that time? I had a friend of mine. She and I were talking. We talked about vertical markets. And she goes, well, I know that this, this guy called me up. He wanted 1,800 T-shirts. And I said, but he's not in my vertical market. I said, well, why are you doing the order? Why are you, even can, why are you thinking about it? She's like, I'm not going to walk away from 1,800-piece order. I went, okay. Literally two weeks later. I spent 20 hours working with this guy and I never got the business. Now, if you're worth $200 an hour, guess what? You just lost four grand. Bingo. Because if you had focused that on the vertical markets that you're working in and done a little bit more research, created another marketing plan towards that, uh, sought out a couple of new clients in that space, dug a little deeper in your existing customers, resuscitated some old customers that are in that space. Sure. Guess what? You'd be more pr productive. You'd be more profitable. But now you chase something that wasn't in your space. Right. It's right. a race to the bottom. You keep doing that for, for dollars. If you're, if you're chasing dollars, it's always a race to the bottom. If you can create something that nobody can get with the industry, I mean, you know, you can go on and do a search on the internet and find all this stuff and go, oh, I found it for X amount. It's a race to the bottom. But if I can put that piece together and do that, that homework and put it together and show them what it could look like, nobody's going to take the time to put that together sure. and really think about what they're doing with it. That's a differentiator of it. You're sure. putting that time into it to solve the problem in a unique way, deliver the message, give a call to action on it. That isn't, you know, a pen's get a bad rap in this industry, but it's not that pen with a logo on it, right? Um, right. Yeah. And so I, you know, I can understand, you know, not turning away possibly an order that, that falls in your lap that, or, you know, and, or getting rid of existing clients. I wouldn't do that. But I think for you, the guidance I give is if you prospecting, you're putting in another hour and another dollar into finding new clients or, or you're going to dig, focus on digging right. deeper into clients. I would focus that around the niche. Eventually, it'll take care of itself. That flywheel will, will, will get going and you'll have the momentum. In the last couple of minutes, brief answers. I'd like to take care of a few people who've asked a few questions here. Once Leslie Michaels asked us, how do you navigate recipients that are basically recipients are at home, uh, or direct mail. Okay, They're at home and they're not at the office. You're trying to send direct mail. This is the bane of everyone in the business. Any tips, guys, for dealing with that? When you're doing direct mail, but, but people are working from home more? I would I would call I would call the company and ask um, you know does the person come in on a regular basis? If they don't it. come in on a regular basis, if I send something to you, could you forward it to them? Something like that. Yeah, it's okay. a simple ask. I mean, you're not in my in my setup here. I'm not doing you know when I go in prospect mode, I'm doing 20, 30 pieces, and I'm doing two a day. It's bite sized chunks where it's not going to eat up my whole day. 
and I could make two outbound inquiries to find out who this person is and if they're at home or not. Yeah. Do two a day, do two the next day. It's, it's how do you eat the elephant? Well, you know, it's the old bed is one bite at a time. So it's a simple ask and it's not a huge investment of your time to find out where to send it to. And, yeah. I mean, and if you, you know, if you're using VAs, we use VAs quite a bit to make calls. That's a good thing for me. That's, that's a, not a difficult job. I'd rather have somebody I'm paying, you know, 10 bucks an hour to make a, make a call and, and ask these questions, uh, depending on the client or prospect, right? Yeah. But um, uh, Amy Williams asks, uh, Cliff, what would you suggest for re-engaging with the client you haven't spoken with in a while? So you, you talk about resuscitating old clients, Cliff. Any tips for Amy? Uh, I can say I, I designed a piece that Paul used as well that uh, was a, a puzzle in a can. And it basically said, uh, it's amazing how time flies. Yeah. And there was a puzzle. I mean, it was a graphic on the outside of the can. I've done it also in a box. And then when you, in the inside, there's a nine piece puzzle and it's all broken apart and somebody had to actually put it together. And interestingly, we did a study on that. About 94, 95% of the people actually do put the puzzle together. And it basically said, you know, some similar copy that was on the outside. Amazing how time flies. Would love to be able to get together with you once again, just to show you all of the new, uh, uh, new pieces that we've put together that actually can help keep your brand top of mind, et cetera. So, I mean, anything, when you think about when you're trying to reconnect, you know, look at some of these buzzwords. There's another, there's a book out called the book of idioms, I-D-I-O-M-S. Uh, idioms are like these catchphrases, like a stitch in time saves nine and things like that. You can look up idioms that are, uh, talk about connection. See if you can come up with a common theme and then build your marketing campaign around that comp, that, that theme, something yeah, that one, would resonate. One that I thought about doing that I want to do is, you know, we get going on things is actually sending out a picture of me in a picture frame to them of me to put on their desk, like, Hey, you know, I don't want you to forget about me. Um, you know, I'm part of, I'm part of your family or part of your crew here. Think of me in that way. And, you know, do something a little corny along that line that it's, it's different. Right. Um, Fascinating. Interesting concept. Okay. So uh, here, last one real quick. Uh, Jim Gonzalez says we had a shift to dimensional mailings and packaging as a substitute for in-person recruiting events for several of our education clients that are very lucrative. Our concern is that the loss of this business is the loss of this business as normalcy, uh, normalcy shifts back to in-person events. What strategy do you suggest to retain this business? Well, if you, if Jim, I know Jim, and I think Jim, if, okay. if, if, if it's, uh, if you've determined that it's going away, uh, then I don't know what you can do if it, if it is definitely going away, but certainly I think that, I mean, and you may be right, uh, that it's going to go away. I don't know if it's maybe what we're looking at right now is a, a hybrid. And I think we're in the midst of like in the middle of not knowing where that's going to level out, but I think that you're going to, I don't think that you're going to lose, um, you know, virtual events. I think that there's still, I mean, look at what we're doing here. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, virtual events, I think, are here to stay. I think that you can reach a lot of people in this space. So um, again, but if you've identified that uh, you, you can't, then you're just going to have to look at some other areas of opportunity. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well, I think we've come up on the, uh, on, on our hour here, our mark. So it's uh, time for, time for us to wind down, but um, you know, if uh, I'd like to, here we go. Andy and Adele says, fantastic hour, guys. Thanks so much. So much appreciated. So, yeah, uh, fascinating. So uh, I'm going to, uh, to wrap this. Any, uh, any, any, closing, uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, uh, Jim says, it, I was told. I wasn't told I it was a blue shirt. shirt day. <laughs> Look at that. This is great. All right, Jim's ribbon on us here. Oh, yeah, blue shirt day. I had not noticed. You got the memo. You got the memo. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, because um, you can't you can't find a black shirt right now to save your life. We got blue ones. <laughs> so, guys, uh, listen, uh, I I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to put up one quick poll here uh, at at the end, and uh, we always do this. But if, uh, if you're interested in the small group coaching program, this is uh, this is what we do. In addition to these, and feel free to respond, and we'll be happy to follow up with you. 
and uh, I appreciate your time, guys. Cliff, thanks a lot uh, for, for, making, for joining us today, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you back on again in the future. That would be great. So, I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, and Paul, thank you so much. And we'll see you here uh, next uh, next week with our we'll do one, I don't know if we do the video screen, we do the high fives or whatever, but if I, you know, <laughs> on a panel there, you go, good job, guys, good job. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we, we are taking off uh, the month of August, so uh, there, we won't have any, we typically do two of these shows a month, so we're not doing any shows. We're going to pick back up with a great slate in, in September. So uh, everybody enjoy the summer. Again, uh, Paul, Cliff, thanks a lot, guys. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye.